ora. I'm Mike Parks, Assistant Manager of Careers and Employment at Teherangawaka, Victoria University of Wellington. Welcome to this, the third episode of the Talent Talk podcast brought to you by NZ Uni Talent, the jobs board that provides direct access to university students and graduates across all of New Zealand. Today, I will be joined by Julia Mallett, a Learning Advisor, Careers and Employment at Lincoln University, and John Ross, Senior Career Development Consultant and Team Leader at Massey University. How are you guys today? Well, hey, kia ora, everyone. Um, really well, thanks, Mike. Just back into you know the busy, busy start of another week. Going well, though, thanks. Good too. So thanks, Mike, and thanks, Julia. And as Mike said, I'm on the Mass University on the Manawatu campus in Palmerston North. Great stuff. And thanks so much for making yourselves available. Yes, as uh, as Julia alluded to, it's it, it's Monday morning here in New Zealand, so. Uh, Hopefully, you'll be catching us at our most rested and focused, um, but th- that remains to be seen. So what we'll do is I'll just cover off very briefly what the topic of today's conversation is. What we'd like to discuss um, is how best to engage with students during the busy semester uh, trimester one period. So I mean, a lot of people refer to this period as March Madness, when uh, there seems to be a huge spike in engagement and the appetite to engage with students around internships and graduate opportunities and all manner of other recruitment subjects. So just to get things started, I'll start with you for this first question, Julia. Why is it so busy during this period? Well, I think that there's, um, I won't say a perfect, a perfect storm because it has slightly negative connotations, perhaps a perfect whirlwind of demand um, between you know, those employers really wanting to get a jump on on capturing the best talent and getting getting you know, the, the, the top, top students kind of locked down for the following year um, or into the internships throughout that year, um, matched with you know, students, um, some student groups really feeling that immediate pressure to get their ducks in a row um, ready for that following year. I think that it's perhaps an impression more than anything else. Um, as I've got some thoughts that I'm sure we'll get into later today about that that doesn't have to be the case. But I think that there's there's a lot of expectation that it all has to happen now if it's going to happen. We've got to get the best talent. We've got to get the best jobs. And it, it kind of feeds itself a little bit, I think. Have a, um, do you have anything to add, John? Any thoughts on top of that? Thanks, Julia. And I'm really going to echo what Julia says. Uh, it probably won't come as a surprise to many of you that in career centres, we actively encourage our students to start thinking about their career readiness, their work readiness, their employability at the beginning of the studies, not the end. And certainly personally, from the Massey angle, I'm seeing many, many more students acting on that advice and wanting to get ahead and look to look at ways they can stand out to prospective employers. And they're doing that earlier than ever before. I'd also just uh, stress that many of our students are studying hard, they're working part-time or in the vacations, they're volunteering, they're actively involved in club societies. So they've got a huge range of demands on their time, uh, a lot of which they're actively doing to build their uh, work readiness. Certainly this time of the year traditionally has been uh, a busy time for employers for decades. And often there's a sense amongst employers that the most able, the most committed and proactive and switched on students will have decided on their preferred roles, their preferred employers and sectors by their final year, and they're ready to act. There's also something at this time of the year around uh, employer budgets and the availability to your staff who are involved in hiring. So that might also have a part to play in this sort of early in the year recruitment. This will also be touched on a bit later in the podcast, but in the career centres in New Zealand, we're always looking for ways we can engage with you and partner with you. So, yep, but we're going to cover that in a few later questions. So I'm going to pass back on to Mike now. I've always described this as a bit of a chicken and egg situation where employers engage because students' receptors are up 
at that time of year, um, but students' receptors are up at that time of year because employees engage. There's also the question of student capacity and timetables as well. Nothing attracts a crowd like a crowd. And I think that there's just a feeling that students are refreshed. They're not getting they're necessarily smashed with huge amounts of work in that, uh, that sort of late February um, and March period. Um, so, yeah, I think there's a lot of reasons why that has become a bit of a classic. Just to get a little bit more specific, and I'm going to throw this one over to you, John. Um, what, in your experience, are the most common types of engagements during this part of year? That can be quite dependent on the sector you're in and the types of work that you have. Obviously, we want to give the NZ Uni Talent Jobs Board a plug, and a lot of employers are using that to promote their graduate opportunities, their graduate programs, their internship programs, and a myriad of other uh, types of work. But of course, the other really common thing at this time of the year, or, or certainly the, the first half of the year, is employer expos. And pretty much all universities will have an expo, at least one expo a year. Now, we all work very closely together in New Zealand University Career Services. That's one of the great loves I have for the job is the collegiality. But if you are looking to attend on-campus expos and events, you'll find the expo dates are already in for 2023 on the NZ Talent uh, website. Uh, from a Massey perspective in particular, I'd also encourage you to carry on considering a hybrid approach to things. So when you're doing, when you're attending expos or doing individual presentations on campus, we would certainly also like you to offer something online. And that's, again, the Massey angle of having quite a lot of our students who study from a distance. And the fact that we have three campuses, it's all quite geographically widespread and apart from one another. So that's my little plug from a hybrid approach, which has been working pretty well over the past couple of years, and we'd like to see that continue. But moving away from expos and individual employer recruitment presentations, a lot of universities also employ or involve employers in career skill workshops and webinars, and some of these are sector-specific. Some of them are about the skills of uh, looking for, applying for, and dealing with recruitment selection processes in work. And there are other employers who may be involved with individual programs in terms of guest lecturing. But it really depends on the university, which is why we encourage you to reach out to universities that are of particular interest to you and the careers teams there. But at this point, I'm going to see if Julia would like to add anything to that. Absolutely. I think you covered that really well. Thank you, John. And the, uh, the only real thing I'd add to that was what you just touched on at the end there, which is um, you're really getting to know your audience really well. And that, that's where those career teams, um, we can really come to the fore here. We know our student bodies very, very well. We know what has worked well on campus. We're always open to new ideas um, and keen to push the boundaries and get excited about other employers' ideas about how they can connect with students. But we definitely know what works really well on campus. I know um, here at Lincoln University, our students just adore that real hands-on, on-campus um, connected approach that makes them feel very seen in an often very saturated market than quite a smaller university. So I think getting to know the students and where they're at and meeting them where they're at um, is, is really, really key. We see it was perhaps a bit interesting to me, um, reasonably new into the role here, and my first kind of March Madness, quote-unquote, uh, as you referred to it before, Mike, was that real quick pivot talk, mostly online, earlier this year, which was really interesting to see how the students responded to that. Obviously, online works very, very well for some, and as, as John said, would always encourage a hybrid approach. Um, but when it was all online, there was a lot of Zoom fatigue happening as well, and it, was, it becomes increasingly difficult to engage those students um, when suddenly everything in their lives is online and click this and come here and look at that and 
it really it, it brought to mind for me the importance of meeting students where they're most comfortable as much as the environment can allow. And um, yes, certainly your career teams, you know, we we can be a massive part of that for employers, I think. Thanks both. And uh, and thanks, John, for for mentioning Enzo Gini Talent as well. I think it's very unique, the uh, collegial, as you say, the, the relationship across the New Zealand universities. And that relationship really is the jobs board is central to that, because obviously I often say to a lot of employers that I speak to, to treat that as the foundational engagement. And that a lot of the time, the supplementary engagement that we can offer, whether that be bespoke comms or presentations, is often built upon that foundation. And I think that often that's a really useful way of thinking about it. But one of the great uh, side effects of this is the relationship across the universities, which I feel is advantageous to organisations, whether that just be collaborating around the timing of the expo so you don't have to be in two places at once, but also from a geographic perspective, we don't want anybody to have to nonsensically zigzag the country during these periods. So there is that sense of uh, um, collaboration. And um, just to stay on you for a moment, Julia, for me, if so many organisations are engaging during this busy period, and, uh, and I've used the term myself, March Madness, but I should point out this does extend beyond March, and we will speak later in the podcast about other times of the year, at least in passing. But if so many organisations are engaging during this time, doesn't one run the risk of getting lost in the crowd? Yeah, I, um, I think there can be a risk of that or certainly a perception of risk of that, which um, perhaps feeds into, into the busyness of the period, obviously, as we all touched on before. Um, it can be a risk. I think that the best way that an organisation can combat that is to be really strategic um, and reflect on their point of difference and what they're bringing to the to the table for students um, so that students aren't seeing, how do I phrase this, um, students aren't seeing the same kind of thing from every employer, the same kind of jargon or buzzwords or the same presentation approach or the same, you know, online this or whatever it is. Um, really think about what your individual message and branding is um, and target that to the types of students that you really are interested in as well so again meeting them where they are also try and be really accessible so students have don't have to try too hard to connect with you if it's you know that there's a lot of massively competing pressures on students at the moment you know that the necessity for many of them to work as well and all their other extracurriculars as John touched on before I think it has to be simple it has to be accessible if you've got to click too many times, you stop clicking real fast. Again, working with career centres to find out where are the students on campus? What times are they most likely to be able to come to some sort of presentation? That kind of thing. Um, really think about who you're targeting and how. So you don't have to be part of the clamour. You don't. It doesn't have to look the same across, you know, perhaps all professional services firms or whatever it is. Really think about where your point of difference is so that students focus in on you. Remembering too that particularly in the, the grad program, graduate program space, um, you know, there can be that real emphasis on got to get the top students, got to get the top ones. I think, you know, really spending that time reflecting on, well, what actually what students do you want? You know, do you want the absolute top academic students? Or there's a, there's a vast sea of students with a different range of skills and abilities um, that go so far beyond their GPAs. Um, and I think, you know, there's, there can be quite a, a lot of, of of noise and emphasis put on on targeting, yeah, the, the real top top achievers. Um, gosh, the, the ones on that next tier can add so much value to your organisation and they're just as happy to be connected with um, in that. So I'd say that, yeah, you could risk being lost in the crowd, but you don't have to. 
there's other ways to approach this. Yeah. Over to you, John, any thoughts? One thing I wanted you to really to emphasise to you and stress to you is the importance of considering students as whole individuals. You're often attracted to applicants who have, as Julia mentioned, good GPA, high-achieving uh, academic students, and they can certainly offer you up-to-date and valuable knowledge. But they've also got great attitudes, a whole battery of relevant skills, and a really keen desire to add value and make a difference. And I do a lot of work, not just with employers, but with students. And I'm seeing more and more students who say, my main priority is to find a job where I'm valued, but I'm doing valuable work, and work where I know I'm going to make a difference. And I want to work for an organization that wants to make a difference. Uh, it's also worth stressing here that as you plan your engagement, it may not surprise you, maybe it does, but a lot of our students are quite uncertain about where they're going in life and where they're going career-wise, and they want organisations that recognise that and are quite flexible and open uh, to that uncertainty. Uh, going back to the, the main point of the question about being lost in the crowd, NCED Uni Talent Job Board, as Mike said, is a great example of university career services uh, collaborating with one another. And we do work very collegially. And certainly the past couple of years, one additional example of that is employers who offered online engagement, offered it to more than one university. And again, that's not a bad thing. Certainly in the past couple of years, there has been a little bit of a trend towards individual employers doing a number of online presentations. And that carries a risk of the individual student being swamped. And certainly, uh, looking back on this year, I remember going to around 45 employer webinars in the space of about six weeks. And that's me as an individual career consultant. But for a student, it's very hard to decide what should they invest time in and what not. So there is a risk of swamping, which is where webinars offered to students from a number of universities might well work. And certainly career centres are, are keen to continue that post-university collaboration. Uh, looking at nationwide or uh, joint events are also a great way of uh, engaging with a larger and probably a broader pool of, app of potential recruits. And of course, there's economy to scale there as well. Uh, and just as a final point in this, uh, in terms of avoiding getting lost in the crowd, then we've touched quite a bit on recruitment events, so expos and uh, employer presentations. But of course, skill sessions also are often rated as one of the most effective activities employers can engage in. And so too is offering the opportunity to visit sites or to shadow existing staff for half a day a day. And also a lot of universities in New Zealand, if not all, are putting a lot more emphasis into work integrated learning so where employers are able to offer uh, periods of, of work experience to students, either the formal part of the programme or co-curricular or extracurricular, then certainly that's something career centre teams would be keen to have discussions with you about. And back to Mike before I dominate the podcast. Just some excellent points there from both of you. And I'm glad, that, Julia, that you brought up the, the topic of GPAs and the kind of the, the diversity of value, I think, of, of students to organisations and the diversity of ways of measuring that value outside of GPAs. One thing I'd just like to add very quickly in super broad terms is how important it is to just get the basics right. I think often what we can see, sometimes it's easier to say what doesn't work than what does work. And in my experience, what doesn't work is panic engagement, where I'll see organisations doing lots of things 
but doing none of them with a huge amount of clarity. So what that might be is they'll be doing presentations, they'll be doing webinars, they'll want to do things with the clubs. But when you actually really drill down to the offering and look at the opportunity listing and the comms that they're doing, it might not be clear what they're looking for, what the actual opportunity is. So my feeling is that it's best to do a small amount with extreme clarity than it is to take a scattered approach with ambiguity. And I think that that's something that those of us in the universities who have these interactions with organizations probably all can recognize is when you see, look, it's not, you don't need to do another thing. You just need to look at what you are doing and really think about it and really be clear about it. Um, so that would be my contribution to that. Just want to pop over to, to you again, John, here and ask, what if one's organization isn't going to market during this period? Will they miss out? Is it catastrophic to not engage during uh, March and April? Not at all. It's not catastrophic at all to not engage in March, March and April. I touched earlier on in the fact that a lot of our students are very uh, focused and very ahead of the game and very prepared when it comes to March and April. But there are also some who, for a myriad of reasons, can't do it or won't do it at that point in time. And often that's because of other commitments in their life. And other, other times it's because they're wanted to take the time to be quite clear about the direction in which they're going. So definitely, I think all the universities in New Zealand would agree, there is a little bit of a shift towards recruiting all year round. And uh, that's never a bad thing, not a bad thing. And particularly if you don't want to, if you don't want to uh, get lost in the crowd. So we would certainly encourage you to look at uh, all your round recruitment. Having said that, also be very aware of our uh, semester times. So be very aware that uh, students will have semester breaks and they'll have also quite intense uh, study periods where they're preparing for assignments and exams. So again, it's really worth engaging with us and early to find out when is a good time to be doing that recruitment if you wanted to attract the biggest possible audience. Julia, is there anything you wanted to add to that? I think you might have touched on it at the very beginning there, John, that engaging with students is about their whole career, their whole university journey as well. Um, there doesn't need to be this, well, there's always going to be a bit of a flurry in this at the beginning of semester, trimester, to capture those final year students and, and get ahead of the game there. But actually, if you've if you've put in that groundwork for the previous three years, that's that brand recognition, that market knowledge that's going to hook them through the whole the whole journey. And that that can be a full year exercise. Um, yeah, there's a lot more, there can be a lot more to this for employers than just that, gotta get them, gotta get them now. You know third year beginning of semester one kind of thing you're put in the legwork the whole way through um, with that really clear messaging um, the clear times of call to action as well uh, then you're you're more likely to capture those students I think because they're all going to already going to have their plans in place and have an idea of what employers they're really connected with over their whole time at university educate them the whole way through be part of their whole journey I think is, is really important and that takes a little bit of the onus off this this perception about this real flurry of activity whilst Personally, I'm not expecting to see huge change in the business during this period of time. I think that John alluded to this trend that we are seeing towards engagement occurring throughout the entire year. And I think there's a lot of complexities to why that's happening, but I think that is something that we've seen. My advice when it comes to if you're not going to market during this period and you're 
or you're thinking of going to market at a period of the year that is perhaps uh, where the, the ground isn't quite as fertile from an engagement perspective, the first thing I would suggest is check out the last episode of this podcast because we do get into that in quite a lot of detail. But really, reach out to us because sometimes a week can make a difference. Sometimes waiting a week to do your engagement can make a huge difference, and we can provide that information. There also there may be pre-existing events that do not necessarily have an explicit recruitment agenda that we can plug you into, that, we, that your organisation can still participate in, in order, I guess, to maintain its ubiquity and continue to exist, to connect with students. So I think there's a lot of different ways that we can advise you on that. Uh, we've talked a lot about what does work and what doesn't work, but really, I, I just want to like to put this to you, Julia. What does effective engagement look like to you? I think it's it's really a summary of all those points that have been made already today. Um, as you said, we've, we've talked a bit about it, but I think it's that, like you, you summed it up really well, I thought you're a small amount with clarity rather than a large amount with ambiguity. I think that that is a really succinct little way to sum that up. Um, simple, accessible, telling your story, really clearly communicating what is your brand, what do you bring to the student, what are you looking for, and how can you meet in the middle with them? Where is the value add for both parties? Um, And recognising that this is a conversation um, rather than you just screaming into the void and hoping that a student likes what they hear. Um, Meet them where they are and respect them as part of that partnership as you go through it. Yeah, simple, accessible, targeted as you move through into a more formal recruitment space, not too many hoops to jump through. Really clear calls to action. I think it's simplifying the process and removing as much white noise as you can so that these really busy students with lots of pressures on them don't have to work too hard to understand who you are and what what you want and what you're bringing bringing to them um, so they can see their fit really clearly and the values across all their values. How about yourself, John? I absolutely agree with what Julie was saying there. And the advice that we're giving you today is based on our contact with employers, but also based on our contact with students. So as you can imagine, we always ask students what works and what doesn't work for them. And we're in daily contact with our student body. A point I touched on earlier, that it's very possible some of the students engaging with you will not have a very exact and clear career path in mind. And what they want out of engagement with you is a little bit of direction into where they might apply the skills and passions. Uh, When you're doing employer events in person or online, they're quite keen to hear early on about the qualifications, experience and skills you look for in applicants. They're also keen to know in quite a bit of detail how your selection process works and how they can best prepare for it. I'd also encourage you to add a little bit in there or emphasize a little bit in there about your culture and values in your organization uh, and how students, well, I've touched on how students can best prepare themselves to get a job with you. Other thing to think about is when you've got representative going out to engage with students, choose that ambassador well, choose that facilitator well. You want to choose people who will represent your organization and its values and its culture and its diversity in the best possible light. And if you have graduates from the individual university, they're often the most effective facilitators and ambassadors. As you can imagine, our students love to meet graduates who've studied at this institution. And all universities would say the same. Students want to know why you believe your organization's a great place to work in and for. Uh, they also want to know uh, what, what you think makes your organization the one and they want to come away from the engagement really excited about potentially joining your organization. So excite them and stress 
your points of difference. Another trend I've noticed over the past few years, because I've, I've been in the job a long time, uh, and one thing I've noticed over the years is that there is an increasing interest from students in how they'll be onboarded. So assuming they get recruited, then what's going to happen next? And there is a nervousness about going from university into the workplace. So they are interested in how will they be supported, how will they be onboarded, what continued training and development will be offered them. We are forever talking to students about the importance of having learning agility and the fact that learning doesn't just stop when they leave university and that they're going to be expected and should want to continue to learn and develop. And of course, they're always interested in organisations that offer some support uh, for that continued learning and development. And of course, they want to know as well how they'll know they're doing a good job because they want to come into you to do a good job. They want to know how their performance will be measured and how they'll be appraised, etc. So think about not just recruiting and selecting them, think about the onboarding of them and what can you say to them about that that might excite them and, and encourage them to apply. So echo a little bit about what John was saying was I think students often are very visually minded. They want to know what's it going to look like. And this is in reference to what you were saying about onboarding. Often students want, what they want from a presentation is something that they can't get anywhere else, something that has value and that isn't a performance of the website. What they want to know is what's it going to look like? Am I going to be in a big office, a small office? Am I going to have people around me? It's those things that often we as professionals take for granted as being something that you might have anxiety or questions about. Um, And I think that that's a really important thing. I think also what's key is something that not only something that you can't get elsewhere, but perhaps something that's institutionally specific. Uh, John, you spoke earlier on about the value, in, particularly with webinars that might cut across multiple universities. I'd also say somewhat conversely, it's also really important whenever possible to have quite institutionally specific stuff as well. Our students really like it when they can tell that they're being spoken to as Victoria University of Wellington students whether that be by actually having grads who were from that university or actually having content that specifically relates to papers or areas that are there. So I think that whilst it's often tempting and often beneficial to include multiple universities in certain types of one, I think that there is also value to specificity as well. And as far as what the students want, I think that what, what I see students respond to is the opportunity to network, opportunity to get a sense of the culture of the organisation, practicing with professional interactions, tips and tricks and, and, and insights. And I think that, you know, we just spoke earlier on about expos and presentations. And it's really important when you're considering what to do to realize that you are interacting with students very differently in those two different places. Some organizations will say, I'm doing the expo, so I don't need to do a presentation or vice versa. When it comes to an expo, often what you're dealing with is window shoppers. That's where you can bust myths uh, and perhaps engage with students who may not understand the discipline or academic connectivity between what they're studying and what you're offering. Whereas at presentations, there's a little bit more of preaching to the choir going on there because they've actually self-selected to go. Um, hopefully, you can convert, to use you know recruitment terminology, A into B. Speak to somebody at an expo, and then they can come along to a presentation. So it is important to understand that those things are different and that there are different values to those. Anyway, just to finish things off, Julia, I was just wondering... What is the value of engaging directly with students via university channels or on campus? We've talked a lot about how it can be done effectively, but why should it be done? Because I think um, you, you briefly touched on it uh, just before, but I think if you if you really engage directly with university channels, um, you're more likely to, 
educate and invite those students that may have never considered you before to to start considering you. I think that um, you know, particularly if, you, if it's more of a blanket approach, an online seminar, um, very easy for students to go, oh, um, I know I'm not interested in that, so click ignore, delete the email, off it goes. Um, if you really work directly with career centres um, to understand the culture of a university and the needs of those particular students, the diverse needs of those particular students, um, then you can create an approach that is more likely, um, that will invite more engagement from those students, including ones that, that have never thought of you before. Um, you can also form those relationships throughout their whole whole time at university um, so that when they come out the other end, you've already got that relationship. It's already set up, ready to go. And I think there's immense value in that that can be missed if you take just a blanket approach that's largely online or is localised but to meet students from a number of different institutions in one sort of local event. I think there's you just can't underestimate how much students enjoy being seen, who they are, their diverse and unique needs, um, and really respected as individuals coming through a particular university experience. I think it's uh, invaluable, really. Your pop-ups, networking events, all um, career fairs on campus, all that kind of thing. It's um, it's about forming relationships, and at the end of the day, that is what we are doing in a career centre. It's all about relationships, relationships with employers, relationships with the other university career centres, and relationships with the students. That's pretty much it, I think. Yeah. Um, how about you, John? Yep. And I'll add to that. I mean, one of the big, big, big advantages for you of engaging with us is the fact that we know our students and graduates. We're in constant contact with them. We know our students and graduates. We know the wider university. We know the qualifications, programs, papers, courses we offer, and we know the labour market. So we know what is out there. We know about skill shortage areas. We know about growth areas. We know who the major players are, and we're really keen to engage. We absolutely uh, want to partner with you. You'll find that all career centre staff have a passion, and that passion is for the career, the personal, and the professional development of our students and graduates. We work very closely with our students, and we also work with recent graduates. We vary a little bit in uh, the services offered to graduates and for how long after they graduate, but that is an important point to make, is that students' contact with us doesn't stop when they cross the stage and pick up their degree school. It doesn't stop. It carries on for a little bit of time afterwards, but uh, we can connect you. Because of all of this, we can connect you with students and graduates who are prepared and uh, keen to help your organisation grow and also to find students and graduates who will be at the best fit for you and your team. There are big changes in career centres around the extent to which we, we're being data-driven. So we have more data than we ever had before. And that data that we have access to can certainly help you with your recruitment strategies and can support, any, for example, any diversity initiatives that you have. So just be aware of there are big changes happening in the career sphere about this sort of data that we have access to. But we can certainly talk to you about that data, and we use that data all the time to help people to engage as effectively as possible, both students and employers. Thanks, John. And thank you, Julia, for your generosity of time on this Monday morning. And uh, thank you, listeners, for joining us. And please remember to check out NZ Uni Talent, the jobs board that provides direct access to university students and graduates across New Zealand. And please feel free to subscribe to and share this podcast. Thank you and goodbye. Mm-hmm.